The following message from Bible teacher and pastor Jim Crabb is brought to you by Imago Day Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Ohio. Uh, last week, I, I had so much fun doing that. I hope you got to watch that last week. We were in the book of Isaiah, and we were in chapter 53. Isaiah 53 is the great chapter that talks about Christ, the suffering servant. And it talks about, you know, Isaiah 53, talks about he's a despised man, a rejected man. He's a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. We hid our face from him, etc. He hath borne, verse 4, he borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, and yet we accused, we, we said the reason that's happening to him was because God was punishing him. And none of that was true. And then we, we just went through the whole chapter of Isaiah 53. It's, it, is, it is one of the most dynamic chapters in my Bible. And it, it is a prophecy of what was to come in Christ's life thousands of years later. Isaiah wrote this and then thousands of years later Christ came and he did that. I want to start tonight, I'm, we're going to stay in the King James here, just, we'll just do that. Uh, if we can, guys. And I'm in the book of 1 Corinthians. Just one verse here. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, here's a few verses that when I first got saved, somebody gave me these verses and taught me that these verses were in my Bible. And it is, I would say these verses are a set of verses that may be as looked at in my Bible by me, studied, looked at, thought about, meditated on, of any portion of verses that's in the Scripture. And it's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians. I got so excited talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I looked at 1 Corinthians 5 and thought, man, they moved, they, they moved those verses, those, those verses that I just said I know all about. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here you go, verse 17. I'm going to get to this, back to the suffering Savior here in a minute. But look at this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, any man, any, what's that mean? That means anybody can qualify. If you're a human, that doesn't just mean, mean male gender. If you're a human being, you can qualify for this verse. If any man, besides be a human being, I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care if you were an alcoholic. But if you get in Christ, I don't care what you were. I don't care how bad you were. I don't care if you were an axe murderer. Doesn't, it, I hope you weren't, but... It doesn't matter if, if you were, you can still get in Christ and put your faith in Jesus. Amen? Yeah, I mean, no, there's a lot of people uh, that are in prison tonight. And they're in prison. They did wrong. They went to prison for their iniquity, for their breaking the law. But thank God that there is no law that even though they've broken the law, that they can't become a Christian. And, and, and be in Christ. Brother Jerry is one of our, our key elders is here tonight. 
and, and Jerry goes to the jails every week, all the time when you can. We haven't been able to do that in a while. Jerry and a team of people go to the jails. Um, he goes uh, personally to prisons and, and visits you know, prisoners they, they have done wrong. But they have the opportunity to come to Christ. So, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He becomes a brand new creation. Old things are passed away. That, that means if I, no matter what I was, if I did drugs and was a drunk or I was uh, whatever I was, you were in the past. If, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Yeah. And those old things that you used to do are passed away. When, we, when someone dies, that's what we say. Did you hear about so-and-so? He died. Or we could say, so, we do say it. So-and-so passed away, which means they died. Old things are passed away with these, with these people that are in Christ that have become a new creature. Behold, all things are become new. And all these new things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. To know that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. So God was in Christ and Christ sacrifice that Isaiah 53 talked about, the suffering Savior that came to a lost and dying, selfish, sin-filled world where every human being that's ever been on this planet, except Jesus when he came, we've all been tainted and, and, and struck with this, this disease called sin. And it comes by our nature and by our birth. Even before we do anything wrong, we're sinners. Amen. We're born into sin. Right? But God was in Christ. And he was reconciling the world to himself. He, God was a reconciler. He brought men and himself together. And, and the way he did it was because he worked through Christ in order to accomplish that. So when Christ was on the cross, my point is that God was in Christ. It was God that was doing this because he was trying to reconcile us back to God. And he, he wasn't imputing our trespasses to us. In other words, he, he, what he wanted to do was reconcile us, not make us not judge us because we've done wrong, because we did wrong because that was our nature. But then we got in Christ, and God was in Christ, and he reconciled the world and all of us, everybody that would believe on him, to him. And he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, or to know, verse 19... 
that God was in Christ reconciling the world, not imputing their trespasses, committed unto us that reconciliation. Verse 20, now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. So you know what that just said? God's reaching for you tonight and for me through, uh, th through this preaching. That's what he's doing. He's trying to tell you that God was in Christ and he reconciled. You know, people live with guilt, with unnecessary guilt as believers, Christians, don't we? It's easy. You, it, the devil will get you in that. And he'll tell you what you, what, that you're not what you thought you were. Well, I, I'll tell you what I am, Mr. Devil. I am a born-again Christian and that I'm in Christ because I believed on what Jesus did at the cross. And I know that God was in Christ working for me. Amen. And then down in uh, verse 21, here's, here's my verse. For he, God, hath made him to be sin for us. The Greek there says, he hath made him to be a sin offering for us who knew no sin. He, not us didn't know any sin. I knew a lot of it. I was a sinner. But he that knew no sin was made a sin offering for me that we might be made the righteousness of God in him or in Christ. So in other words, because God was in Christ on the cross and he bore our sin on the cross. That's what Isaiah 53 talked about. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. I mean, he, he, he took our place. That's what he did, man. And, and the reason he did it is so we could stay. Righteousness means a right standing with God. What standing are you in with, with God? Well, before Christ, you're not in good standing with God. You're separated from God. You're dead to God. You're not alive yet. But when you come to Jesus, when you, when you say, I believe on Jesus, I'm trusting Jesus, man, you, you come to God and you stand right with God. And I want to tell you tonight, somebody needs to hear this that's been really battling guilt and shame from your past or from, or from what you did last week, whatever. Amen. I want you to know tonight, you are... You don't have a reason to be shamed and you don't have a reason to feel guilty because the blood of Jesus on that cross took away all your guilt and the sin that would bring you to shame and guilt. I want to thank God tonight. We are not ashamed and we are not guilty. Praise God. We do not carry around guilt. Now, just, I won't have time to do this, but I'm going to, just jump into it. Maybe we'll start it. Look in the book of Leviticus, chapter uh, 16. And I want to show you this. Leviticus, chapter 16. <clears throat> so, what I've said so far is that Christ became an offering. God made him, 2 Corinthians 5. God made him a sin offering for you. He didn't do anything wrong. You, me and you did. Right? 
but he took our place. And that's, that's the gospel, man. That I didn't deserve anything, but he gave me everything. I didn't deserve to be a new creature. I'm still not over it. I'm still excited about it. I wish people in the church would get excited about it again and realize what they have in Christ. Are you kidding? Our sin is gone. Amen. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm right with God. I have right standing with God through the work of Jesus. Amen. And, and so here's another way to show you that, that same uh, truth. And let's look at Leviticus 16, starting in verse 5. This is pretty powerful. He shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats, or two young goats, for a sin offering and one ram for a burn offering. So just like, remember I said, 2 Corinthians 5, Jesus was made a sin offering. Well, back here in the Old Covenant, before Christ was a sin offering, he told them, the leaders of Israel, to take two young goats for a sin offering. And out of those two young goats, you would offer them for sin. Now, how many know that Jesus came thousands of thousands of years after all this but before Jesus came God was still trying to help Israel with their sin and and so he had a sin offering now it wasn't as good as the offering of Jesus because it takes the blood of Jesus the lamb of God to take away our sin right but uh but there was a sin offering. There was a sin offering, and it was those two young, those two young goats. All right. Um, let's. We don't have time to do all this. Let's verse seven. And he, this priest, will take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So the priest appears there, and he's got two goats with him. And Aaron, the the priest, will cast lots upon the two goats. One lot for for the Lord, and the other lot, look at this verse here. And the other lot, look what it says, for the scapegoat. Amen? So if he takes two goats... One of the goats is going to be for the Lord, for right a sacrificial offering for the blood of that goat. But the other goat is going to become the scapegoat. Now, how many know what a scapegoat is? What's a scapegoat? A scapegoat is somebody that gets the blame for something they didn't do, but you did. Amen? That's exactly what we said that Jesus did. Jesus, in the New Testament, became our scapegoat. He got blamed, right, and punished, not for his own sin, because he knew no sin, but for your sin and for my sin. Isn't that powerful? And so, 
Verse 9. And Aaron will bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him. Atonement means a covering. Covering in this case of sin. Right? Present this goat as an atonement with him and then, look at this, and then he shall let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. So there's two goats. They cast lots, and however they did that, with stones and pebbles, I think. And if one, however they determined the decision, one goat was chosen to be the sin offering, and the other goat was chosen to be the scapegoat. We need both, don't we? And then the Lord told Aaron to bring the scapegoat before the Lord. And here's how you do that. You bring him before the Lord and eventually you're going to let him go into the wilderness. Now, let's slip on down. Um, let's look at verse 15. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering. So the two goats, remember? The Lord's goats, the sin offering. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, bring the blood within the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and because of all their sins. That's why those two goats were dying. Because of all the transgression of Israel. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. All right, now... Let's see, let's slip down to, um, let's go down to verse 20. And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place by the, you know, sprinkling the blood, and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Remember, so that's not the sin offering goat, he's dead. They slid his throat, took the blood of that goat, Amen. And put it on the mercy seat. He's dead. But bring the other goat, the scapegoat, the live goat. Verse 21. Now watch, this is so powerful here. And Aaron, the priest, will lay both of his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat. And then they shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat, verse 22, shall bear upon him all their, the iniquities of the land 
not inhabited, and he shall let the goat go into the wilderness. Now right there, that's a mouthful of stuff, but how powerful is it? God has provided Jesus Christ, the scapegoat, for our sin and our transgression. Aaron took that live goat, and Aaron, as the priest of Israel, as the representative for everybody in the company of Israel, the, the millions of, of, of those Hebrews at that time. And he would take that live goat and he laid his hands, both his hands on their head. And he began to confess Israel's sin, transgression, abomination, all their iniquities, all their rebellion. He would, he, he would say, Lord, I... I, I confess that we as a nation, Father, we've, we've, we've strayed from you. We have sinned when you've given us the, the, the holy law. And we have missed the mark and we have transgressed. We as a nation, we ask you tonight to have mercy both upon the nation of Israel. All those that were there at the tabernacle when he did that. But Lord, have mercy on our families. Have mercy on us as individuals. So cleanse us as a nation and cleanse us individually and in our families. He would confess all the sin of Israel over that goat. And then he would take the goat. I think this is powerful. And he would send the goat out to the wilderness. In other words, he would send the goat out into an uninhabited land with no way to protect that goat, right? And, you know, Israel was to believe that their sin is now transferred into that goat, and now that goat has gone out into the wilderness, but Israel had one fear, and you know what it was? It was that scapegoat that represents now my sin that was put in him. That scapegoat, what if he makes it out of the wilderness alive and makes his way back into the camp? We will be reminded that we have sin. But, and so that's their biggest fear. I want to thank God that the, I, I, the purpose of this was to send the scapegoat into the wilderness so that he would die a death of, of another wild animal out there in the wilderness. He couldn't protect himself. He's not made to, to live on his own by himself. And he would find a certain death out there in the wilderness so that he will not make his way back. I want to thank God that Christ is our scapegoat tonight. And God has, it's not a, it's not a live goat that, that, right, that where our sins went like it was under the Old Testament. It was the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of my sin, all of your sin, I, I, it's hard to get your mind around this. All my sin plus all your sin, plus all his sin, plus all their sin, plus all, all the 
the, the billions of people that are on this planet, plus the, all the people that have lived since the Garden of Eden when Adam was, right, was created and, and all the humans that were, that were born during that time, the billions upon billions, all of our sin was laid upon our scapegoat, Jesus Christ, who knew, and this is, this is why he was a scapegoat, because he never did anything wrong. He took the blame for what I did. He got blamed for being a drug addict. He got blamed for the lust of my heart. He got blamed for it. And not only did he get blamed for it, he got punished for it. And he went to the cross and shed his blood. And like the scapegoat that went out into the wilderness, he died a death. Never to come back with our sin again to remind us that we are sinful and therefore we're not right with God. Thank God for our scapegoat tonight. Aren't you glad somebody took your place and took the blame for all that you guys have done and, and we've done? I am so glad. I, I'll tell you, man, I, you know, it happens in life. You know, people are made scapegoats for stuff. In other words, this, like I know, is this, you know, a Pastor Crab illustration, but like in baseball, sometimes the team does bad, but the manager gets fired. And a lot, sometimes he needed to. But other times, he became the fall guy. All the blame for the team not performing, even though that manager never played one inning, right? But he got the blame for it. He became the scapegoat for it. That's what happened to Jesus tonight. And so tonight, I, you know, this is what I love about the gospel. It's, it's he gives me everything when I deserve nothing. He deserved everything, but he emptied himself and became a scapegoat for me. And I, I, I'll tell you the truth tonight, excuse me, but I'm just not over it. And I got a feeling I'm never going to get over it. If you are there tonight and you're not right with God, Jesus Christ became your scapegoat and took all the blame for your life of sin. And if you tonight would simply just close your eyes and from a sincere heart, tell the Lord that you're sorry. You confess your sin. You tell him that you've been sin. You know you're not good. You're bad. You're wrong. And you know you're not okay. But you believe on what he did on the cross in taking your place and becoming your scapegoat. And you believe that his blood is powerful enough to wash away all of your sin you do that and you believe that God then raised him from the dead amen you will become a new creature in Christ and you can find rest to your souls because the scapegoat for our sin somebody say amen let me pray for you tonight father in the name of the Lord Jesus tonight we pray 
I pray for the folks that are watching tonight, maybe those that have just stopped by just now. God, I'm asking you to touch them tonight. Help them understand that we have a scapegoat in Christ, that he paid the price and he took the blame for my sin and their sin. And we receive the grace of God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I love you tonight. There's nothing you can do about it. Praise God. We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Imago Day, please visit our website at imagodeicincy.com. I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I-C-I-N-C-Y.com.
We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Imago Day, please visit our website at imagodeicincy.com. I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I-C-I-N-C-Y dot com.